Welcome to SACPA for today. I want to thank the Lethbridge Herald, Shaw TV, CKXU uh, Radio 88.3 uh, for their coverage, and especially thank the University of Alberta, or the University of Lethbridge, rather. That's what happens when you're getting old and you've gone to Edmonton. <laughs> Should have said gone to hell. I wouldn't want to go back there. But uh, the University of Lethbridge, for all the publicity they give us, and especially for country kitchens, they seem to uh, be able to accommodate us whether there are 30 people here, 50 or 80. So today's speaker, and I'm not going to take his place, uh, you all have read enough about Brian John. He be became a leader just a little over a year ago. He's a uh, farmer, a businessman, a lawyer, He's been in the newspapers enough, and he has a thorough speech here. I think he's got uh, 162 pages he wants to read in half an hour, and he has a, a whole bundle of policies he wants to uh, correct Terry Shillington and a few of those uh, about uh, who belong to the NDP. So without further ado, Brian, uh, come on up and uh, take charge. Thank you very much, and happy 50 years old, um, almost as old as I am. Uh, that's great news. I am from Fort McMurray, as you may be aware, and I am an Albertan through, through and through and very proud to be Albertan. I am from a, a family uh, of farmers and ranchers, but, um, you know, 50 years ago we moved to Fort McMurray and we've never looked back. We love, we love Alberta, we love northern Alberta, uh, just like we love southern Alberta, and, and it's great to be here. So, without uh, question, the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs continues to make a tremendous contribution right across Alberta to policy and to public policy. I was told by my colleague Leela here, who was here some time ago and is the MLA for Chestermere Rocky View, that she was kept on her toes so, uh, during question and answer period. So, hopefully, you'll keep me on my toes. I am known as a bit of a uh, toe guy, so uh, I'm not sure what that actually means, but. Uh, I've uh, been kept on my toes a couple times before. In fact, we have a few people here that keep me on my toes all the time. Uh, Grant Hunter, of course, is the MLA from just, uh, just beside uh, this riding, and Dave Schneider, the other Wild Rose MLA. Could you just stand up, gentlemen, just for a moment? This is part of my team and your team. Now, I, I point them out because we are part of a team, and there are some different political teams in Alberta right now, and I am very proud of our team. We've never been more united, and I think better than what we are right now. Never stronger, that's for sure. I know many of you have no shortage of engaging questions, and I truly hope that you'll save some of those uh, great questions and maybe write them down if you come across them, and, and I will try to answer them. I was told clearly that if I don't answer questions, I'm going to be in trouble, and there might be some, uh, some exhaustion of politicians that come here and don't answer the questions that they're given, I understand, so I'll try to answer all the questions directly to point. Before I go any further, I do want to say just to everybody here and to everybody in Alberta, frankly, everybody in Canada, how much we appreciate, I appreciate, what you've done for the people of Fort McMurray. Opening your hearts, opening your wallets, opening your homes in many cases. I've had, I don't know how many people tell me they've had a room available or a house or an apartment available. Uh, I had one person call me up and say I have 400 apartments available for the people of Fort McMurray. And that's why we have not had a shortage problem in Alberta in relation to the people that have had to flee Fort McMurray. And when I say flee, I mean flee. Their front house 
was on fire while they ran out the back door. That's not what happens in Canada. That's not what happens in Alberta. And um, I hope if we do receive the privilege of being in government, it never happens again in Alberta to any other community. I was the MP that uh, saw Slave Lake, and I, was, I shuddered and was shocked at what happened there. And, and certainly, I truly believe that we must learn the lessons of the past, and that's why we spend money on politicians, so they learn things, and they do these great big studies, and they come forward with real plans and real solutions for the future. And that's what we need to do in relation to fires in Alberta. Before I go any further, though, I do want to talk just briefly a little context of why I believe these policies that Wild Rose has are the future and a cure for our current economic woes and our budgetary woes, which we do have now and we will continue to have for some years as a result of some of the decisions over the immediate uh, past and over, in fact, the last decade in our government. My life in Alberta surely would not have been possible and it has been a great life, notwithstanding what you've heard on the news. I think I've had the greatest life in the world because I've had an opportunity to see what other places are like in the world. And I can assure you that I would rather be in Alberta with the problems that I've had my house burning down, my son dying, um, than living in many other countries that don't have any opportunity. And the short life expectancy, as well as the traumatic nature of their personal lives, as well as their economies, make it clear that I am so happy to be in Alberta because I wouldn't have had this life if I would have been somewhere else, and it has been an incredible life, and it continues to give me all the wonderful things that Albertans and Canadians have, which is opportunity, future, and a better life. So I do want to tell you, first of all, that I'm very excited to be here and um, happy to be an Albertan, very, very happy on where I am right now, today, moving forward. The things that matter the most in the world to you should take a backseat to nothing. And that means the things like your home, your family, your friends, your job, your quality of life. My family moved to Fort McMurray when I was a little boy. I was the youngest of 11. And um, I learned how to be very innovative. I also learned how to eat quickly and run fast. Uh, seven older brothers. But all of these things that I grew up with, I ran a dog team up in Fort McMurray. Uh, you know, I uh, was part of a family that was involved in many different businesses, uh, working with our hands, working with our backs. And uh, that life would not have been possible if I wasn't in Alberta. And that's what inspires me to work so hard and inspires me to come here and talk about, you know, how great Alberta can be. Because I think Alberta is great, but I think we can be better. And I want to strive for that in our MLAs, every day strive for that. And I believe now is the time for some Alberta innovation, Alberta grit. Because it's what Alberta needs right now to once again be seen as not just an economic leader, which we can and will be again, in growth in Canada, but also a leader in health and a leader in education. Those things that are so important to all of us and that we don't notice they're not there until we need them. That means health care for our children, education for our children, for future generations so they can take care of us when we're not working anymore. We want an Alberta that focuses on people cured, not money spent, that leads in having the lowest wait times in the country for our health care and the best education system in the world like it was just 15 years ago. It's why we in the Wild Rose have been so busy for the last six months because we don't believe the opposition's role is just to criticize notwithstanding that may be what you hear mostly from the Wild Rose. We believe that our job is to put forward constructive solutions, options, opportunities we presented, for instance, a 12-point jobs action plan to get Albertans working again. We released recommendations on how to deal with the fentanyl crisis in our major cities and even our smaller towns. We also put forward recommendations on how to reform the mental health system. We believe that's 
absolutely critical, and we have been not to the standard we should be in Alberta on mental health. Mental health needs in Alberta, especially given what happened in Fort McMurray, will be prevalent. The mental health needs are what I'm more worried about in Fort McMurray than the physical health. We put together an equalization fairness panel to help Alberta present a more equitable proposal for when equalization is renegotiated in 2019. We want our fair share. And we made 10 budget recommendations that form the basis of our fiscal vision for our province that I'm sharing with you today. It's clear that Alberta is facing no shortage, no shortage of public policy challenges. In a five-month period, in a five-month period, Alberta has suffered four credit rating agency downgrades. I believe that's a record. Standard and Poor's has dropped us from AAA to AA plus and now to AA. Alberta has lost over 80,000 jobs since the last general election. Industrial parks are shrinking. Nisku, Fort McMurray, all over the province. Albertans are not sure where their next paycheck will come from or even if they'll be able to afford, in some cases, to pay their car payments or their mortgages. Talk about stress on a young family. Finally, despite the National Energy Board ruling in favor of building new pipelines to Tidewater in an environmentally sensible and responsible manner, there still remains significant obstacles. To top it all off, the world oil market has not been our friend lately. I will save partisan comments for the Alberta Legislature because that's where they belong, but I will say this to you. Politics matters. Policy truly matters. And in the current economic climate, a Wild Rose government would be finding ways to lower the tax burdens on families and businesses, not raising them. We would be reducing government expenses, not adding costly new programs at a time when Albertans will not be able to afford it. And until all provincial partners and serious energy producers across North America are paying a carbon tax, a Wild Rose government would not introduce one on the Alberta economy. It's not competitive, and we compete. We get the same price for our oil as they do in Saskatchewan, as they do in North Dakota. A carbon tax makes us uncompetitive. There is a third way as well for governments to spend money. Now, we've only heard two ways. The government likes to portray only these two options under the current climate to handle the budget. We suggest there is a third way. Option number one from this government includes staying the course on massive annual increases to operational spending. That's right, we do have the most expensive government in Canada right now. We had the most expensive government in Canada over a year ago. It continues to become more expensive. This government's latest budget has spending forecast to increase $6.5 billion over the next three years. Just for spending forecasts. That's $180 million in increased government spending every month. Every day, $6 million in just increased spending. $6 million per day during a time when we're collecting less money, when more Albertans are out of work, when 80,000 Albertans have just lost their job. To compensate for this new spending, it means borrowing on a scale Alberta has never ever seen before. In just a few short years, Alberta is projected to be $58 billion in debt. That's $2 billion in annual interest payments, $2 billion a year in interest payments. Those, that money will not be going to hiring new teachers when we need them, 
or new, new nurses or building schools or hospitals. It goes to big banks to pay interest rates. It means debt financing will soon be one of the most expensive departments in our government outside of health, education and social services. It costs more, it will cost more in three years for interest payments than it does for all the justice files in Alberta, for crime. More expensive for interest payments. It's $2 billion that sooner or later will be paid for through higher taxes. We can't get away from it. And right now, the interest rates are the lowest they've ever been. And of course, there has been no shortage of tax hikes over the last year. Fuel tax hikes, sin taxes, personal income taxes, or business all of them have been raised. The hope from this government, just like our previous government, is that oil prices will eventually rise to compensate for this gross overspending. That's option number one. That's what this NDP government says is option number one. Option number two, according to them, is to make massive so-called draconian cuts to the public service. The government warns that any deviation from their agenda can only mean a dramatic and negative impact on the public services that Alberta has and Albertans count on. Now, the Wild Rose actually believes that between these two options lies a real plausible good option for Albertans and Alberta's future. A middle ground. A middle ground that holds the line on spending, doesn't increase it, just over the next few years. By the way, we have a negative population growth right now in Alberta. Does not increase the tax burden on families, who actually pay for these increases in spending, does not increase the tax burden on businesses, and puts forward innovative solutions to improve essential services Albertans rely on. We even talk to those people that provide those essential services, and there's not one that doesn't say there's a better way to do it. There is a better way, and we need to work together to find those better ways. We do have a vision for the economy. A vision for the budget cannot be separated from a vision for a strong economy. It cannot. The ramifications are real and they're long-term. We believe a commitment to fiscal discipline provides a more stable environment for businesses, a more predictable environment in our province. And for those who would like to invest here, they know what the future holds, especially in our energy sector. Without that investment, we have no energy sector. We have all benefited from what's proudly been known as the Alberta Advantage, a low-tax, business-friendly environment for investors, for domestic investors, for Alberta investors, for Canadian and international investors. When investments are, are attractable to investors in Alberta and they feel confident in its management and in the future of our economy, the positive effects are felt right across the province, are felt right across Canada. The effects to Alberta certainly resonate across Canada. This type of growth means more opportunity for the young working family hoping to pay for hockey registration or dance recitals. Maybe enough money even to pay for a family vacation this year. Because it's not the rich that are suffering right now. It's the young families that have to make ends meet month to month. More investment and development means more royalties for governments to pay for those hospitals and teachers and nurses. And more businesses get spin-off industries jobs, employment, profits. They stay in Alberta. It means Albertans having more money in their pockets because they are well employed, they have good jobs, and in turn, it means that Alberta's small businesses, family businesses, usually, 
see more profits because families have more disposable income to spend and they get to decide on their choices, on their priorities, instead of government deciding for them. As Wild Rose leader, I am committed to working towards this vision of Alberta to restoring the Alberta advantage. Because right now, right now, investors and the energy sector are facing very difficult times and we feel it right across the province, not just in Fort McMurray, not just in Calgary, but in Lethbridge, in Tabor, in Medicine Hat, in Lac La Biche, Nisku. We see a different way forward, a promise of stable royalties and a return to competitive tax rates, instead of seeing our competitive advantage slip like it is right now. We stand with the majority of Albertans that support all three pipeline projects that currently stand ready right now to inject $30 billion of private sector money into our economy. $30 billion. It's not government money. That will create $430 billion over the next 30 years of economic boost to our economy. $430 billion with just $30 billion in private sector investment. This is what Canada is about, building these national projects, either rail or pipeline, bringing our country together as an economic powerhouse that's there for the quality of life of its citizens. Because we know that these billions of dollars mean a lot to those hundreds of thousands of Albertans, the families, whose wage earners currently don't have a job. It means being able to make car payments, afford swimming lessons, and even in some cases, buy groceries. The demand for our food banks is up in Calgary, in Edmonton, in Fort McMurray, right across our province. The demand has exceeded expectations. And it means a lot to Alberta's businesses. It means larger profit margins and being able to grow and expand. It means being able to afford that extra help to hire extra people that would make life easier for you instead of trying to do it yourself. And it means thriving local economies, which we all benefit from. In real terms, these projects become no-brainers, and we are focused on these real terms. And we will continue to be vocal on these issues on behalf of all Albertans as the official opposition. Because we know Albertans just want a fair shot, an opportunity, being able to take care of their own families. And we think that taking action to enable our energy sector and our small businesses to thrive is the key to all of our success. That's why Wild Rose proposed a 12-step jobs action plan. You see, we also see a future where Alberta isn't only a safer place to invest, but it's also an easier place to do business. Many of the proposals would work towards this goal that we came up with. Proposals such as cutting red tape by 20% to save businesses time and money. That's important. By carefully easing the regulatory burden, we would streamline our energy-related regulatory regimes without endangering the safety of Albertans or the health of our environment. And let's face it, one-for-one one legislation, you bring one new one in, you get rid of, the, rid of the old one, that would ensure that after we streamlined regulations, our business community could rest assured that the costs of any new regulations or red tape would be contained within the current model. These are things that have worked in other jurisdictions. They work well. Finally, another proposal would be to put back a billion dollars in overtaxed money to the business community in Alberta. Currently, WCB holds billions of dollars in their surplus, 135% of liabilities. 
By legislation, they're only required to hold 114%. That billion dollars could go by way of a vacation holiday for WCB, for small businesses. We've proposed that. It would last about three to four years, and we would get back to what the legislated limit would be. That's extra money sitting in a bank account right now that belongs to the people of Alberta and the businesses of Alberta, and it's doing nothing. We think that should go back to businesses to create jobs. If you hire somebody new, $1 for the year for WCB. By taking actions such as these, we would be another step closer towards making Alberta's economy grow and be prosperous. Because we believe in an Alberta that is the best place in the world to live, to work, to play, and to raise a family. But to get there, we do need fiscal discipline, just like we all do around our kitchen tables. We need from the government a firm timeline of when they will get back to balanced budgets. We need to actually hold the line on spending and look for ways to find just a few pennies on every dollar spent. When you consider that our neighbours in British Columbia actually spend 20% less on government than we do, actually reducing spending by just a few percent is a modest, modest, reasonable step towards getting back to balanced books. And I truly believe we can get back to balanced books without any cuts to the nurses and the teachers and the frontline services that we want and depend on. I'm an Albertan. I want these services. I expect these services. I deserve them just like my family does. They should be there for us and we can do it without risking them. Only by getting our financial house in order can Alberta once again stand with confidence on its own two feet, proudly, confident. This is the vision Wild Rose has for our province. This is the vision Brian Jean has for our province. I love Alberta. An Alberta that cares for those unable to care for themselves, but generates prosperity and lets people enjoy the rewards of their hard work. Our recent budget sustainability recommendations outlined exactly how Wild Rose would address a difficult financial situation such as Alberta faces right now. I lived through the National Energy Program of the 80s. I remember it. It's not unlike today. It focuses on ensuring the sustainability of frontline services and eliminating ineffective government spending. And there is a lot of ineffective government spending. The sustainability of public services means putting forward innovative solutions today because our public service is the backbone of our province. It's important. A recent Alberta government report actually shows that 10% of Alberta's public sector either resigns or retires every year. 10% every year. Given the inflated levels of managerial ranks across government, asking members of the public service to do more with less through a hiring freeze will be a good first step towards making our government more efficient. It worked federally, and it would work provincially here in Alberta. Thousands of Albertans are forced to find the same types of savings around their kitchen table right now and for the last 12 months. So should their government. With Alberta on track to face a $10 billion deficit this year with a population of 4 million people, I might add, we believe asking for a freeze on wages and new hires for all non-essential positions across the public sector is a necessary and good step to getting Albertans' budget back on track. Results-based budgeting was completed in Alberta last fall. Out of the 650 recommendations that the challenge 
panel developed, 20% contain savings. These should be considered seriously. A review of operational spending is needed to consider why Alberta spends $2,000 more per man, woman and child than British Columbia. It doesn't make sense. A program review would identify inefficient processes and redundancies to ensure that Alberta's programs are running much more effectively for you, for Albertans. Other ideas include showing leadership from the top by ending examples of wasteful spending. Simple and practical steps like cutting government travel by 50% and bringing in Auditor General value for money audits. Those will save us, the taxpayers, the people of Alberta, literally hundreds of millions of dollars without any layoffs, without any real changes. Altogether, steps like these, small incremental steps, without any layoffs, would save Alberta $2 billion this year alone. Those recommendations were ignored. In conclusion, I want to make sure I'm just between 25 minutes and 30. I don't want to get any hook on the side there. But I'm proud to have been part of a federal government in Ottawa. And I know not everybody is proud of that federal government in Ottawa, but I was. Because that government was pragmatic. It invested when it was necessary to invest for the people. But it also trimmed the size of government in some areas that weren't efficient and weren't getting good results. Prudent fiscal policy is something I believe that all governments should strive for because they're not spending their own money. They're spending yours. It's the template we believe Alberta should be using to cure our current fiscal problems. These principles of working towards balanced budgets, low taxes, and strong public services have proven to be a successful formula for economies right around the world. I think these are good steps. By prioritizing spending and protecting frontline jobs, a government gives itself the freedom to offer to its citizens the tax cuts when they need it most and incentives when they need it most to build businesses and to build and support families. We think that's a much brighter vision for the future than the inevitable tax increases, significant tax increases that growing interest payments will have on provincial debt virtually guaranteed. And it's not far away. And what if the interest rates change? I remember the 80s. I was selling office supplies and printing door-to-door -door in Fort McMurray to the few businesses that survived. When we started, there was 600. When we ended, there was three. 649 dealership and my parents' business, which shows you to survive a government-run monopoly is about the only way you can survive a liberal national energy program. That or be my parents, the two cheapest people on the planet. But all jokes aside, it was the worst time of my life seeing all my fa family and friends losing their jobs, losing their houses, moving out of town. Nothing struck me harder than that when I was growing up. I was in my 20s. We do think there's a much brighter vision for our province and for Alberta's future. Now, I know you have no shortage of questions. So if I am not told I have to keep speaking for another three minutes, I will leave it there. But just let me say thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today. I always love to get down here to this part of the country. Um, I hunt down in Cypress Hills quite often, and I really, truly love all of Alberta. It's a pleasure to be here, and it's a pleasure to see you all here. Thank you very much.